0: When we came here in 1984 and started this church, about this time of year, and uh, Pam and I drove over here on a Sunday afternoon and we came and we peered in the windows over what was the only part of the church that was standing that we have here now. We did not own all this property. We did not have paved parking lots or anything. It was just that little building right down there that we now have on our children's wing. And we peered in there and uh, wondered, what was God going to do here? And was he going to use us here? And that following January of 1984, we began to hold services here in the church. Our main concern was, will we survive? And uh, as a church, because a lot of church plants do not. And I'm so thankful this morning to be able to stand here on this Thanksgiving of this uh, church today, as it's our Thanksgiving Sunday, and to look around and to see what God has done, not only with people, but with property and everything. It's an amazing thing to me. Because when we came here, we had four and a half acres. That's it. And a lot of it was not usable Today, we have ball fields and all those things, and God has blessed that way. But one of my concerns is we came to the, my, my tenure here as a senior pastor came to an end and uh, was always what was going to happen to the leadership of the church. And uh, this might sound like a thank you party this morning, but I'm so thankful that God brought Pastor Chris here. I'm thankful for the elephants theories that he just uh, did for us and the things that he shared and I I just as he was telling me thanks I thought this is going to sound like a appreciation party here or something you know this morning but I do think we as a church ought to be thankful for our pastor and uh, for his uh, biblical knowledge and the things that he shares with us and uh, so can you put your hands together and thank him this morning. god is good god is good leadership is important one day there was once upon a time or i shouldn't say that that sounds like a fairy tale but there was a father who decided that he was a he knew that he was a very wealthy rich man and his family lived in wealth in richness and he decided one day that he wanted to take his son who was still young out into the country, and in the father's words, show him how the poor people live, the less fortunate, as he called them. So they went out and they stayed for a couple days with a family who owned a farm in the country. And when they began to return back to the city in which they lived, the father asked the son, he said, son, how was the trip? And the son said to the father, it was great, dad. And the father said to him, well, did you see how the poor people live? And the son said, oh, yeah, dad. And then the father said to him, well, what did you learn from the trip? And the son said this to his father, I learned we have one dog they have four. I learned that we have a large swimming pool, but they have a creek that goes on forever and ever. And I learned that we have these fancy imported lights in our gardens around us, but at night they have the stars of the heavens that illuminates where they live. And I learned that we have this big patio but they have the whole horizon before them. And I learned, Dad, that we have a small piece of land to live on. But their fields. You can walk in them, and they go on forever and ever. And I learned, Dad, that we have servants who serve us. But, Dad, they serve one another. And I learned, Dad, that we buy our food. But, Dad, they grow their food. And I learned, Dad, that we have a fence around our property to protect us, but their neighbors protect them. And the father was stunned. He didn't know what to say to his son. He was speechless. And finally, the son added, Thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we are. You know, life is full of perspective and what do we focus on and how we see things as we go through life this Thursday we celebrate a day called Thanksgiving Day I wonder what our perspective is on Thanksgiving Day I wonder how much time we give really to give thanks on that day at our house we'll sit around the table and everybody takes a turn and they say a little thing about what they're thankful for that day. And then the rest of the day is full of other things. For a lot of people, when we hear Thanksgiving, they're, they're excited about it because they get a couple of days off work. Or they don't have to go to school for a couple of days. They're excited about it. Or that I know some people, they love to watch Christmas parades and they get to see a Christmas parade over Thanksgiving. That's what they're looking forward to. A lot of times families gather and they cook food and they have desserts and all this fancy stuff and they just love having the family and that's what Thanksgiving means to them. For others, it's a day to watch football from about noon till 10 o'clock at night. That's what Thanksgiving means to them. And for others, they can't wait for Thanksgiving weekend because the day after is Black Friday and they want to get out there and get their Christmas shopping done. For others, though, it's a day of disappointment, a little despair, because they, loneliness, because they remember what used to be and is no more. There is no family gathering. Maybe they don't have the funds to have the things that they once had. And they ask, what is there to be thankful for? When you come to this day and this time, what is your Thanksgiving about? I read this quote, and I'm not sure where I read it, but I want to share it with you. It says this. Thanksgiving Day is a unique holiday. It doesn't commemorate a certain battle. It does not celebrate anyone's birthday or anniversary. It is simply one day a year in which we, like those early pilgrims, set aside time in our busy schedules to give thanks and express gratitude to God much time do we really do that? And when I read that quote, something struck me. Isn't it repetitive to say, give thanks and gratitude toward God? Do those words mean the same things, thanks and gratitude? You have your Bible this morning. I'm going to ask that you would turn to Luke 17 or whatever device that you have and read a short story that happened in the, in the life of Jesus and some other people. And we're going to read this in Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. And if you don't have a Bible, just listen. Okay? I hear pages turning, so I'm waiting. Luke 17. Verse 11, Jesus was in the northern part of Israel. He was up in Galilee, and he was beginning a journey down to Jerusalem. And to do that, you have to go through the land of Samaria. And so the Bible tells us that on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Now, if you don't know, in the Scriptures, we, we think of leprosy, we think of decaying skin, falling off of bones, and all those kind of things. But a lot of times, various skin disease, it meant, that people would have different kinds of skin disease. And if it was an oozing kind of skin disease, the book of Leviticus said they had to go to the priest, and the priest would declare them, often unclean, which means that they, because it might be infectious, that they couldn't stay with their families. They couldn't stay with their friends. They had to separate themselves from others. And so we had these colonies of what was called lepers that they stayed in. And if a leper, someone came upon a leper, the leper was to stay at a distance from them, and they were to shout out something like, unclean! unclean, so that there would be no contact between them because they might have an infectious skin disease. And so we see here in the scriptures that it says, and met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They didn't say unclean. They were praying in a sense to Jesus to do something for us in our situation." And when he saw them, he said to them, he didn't say you're clean. He said to them this, go and show yourself to the priest. You see, because that's what the Levitical law said to do. That if your skin cleared up or you felt that you were clean, you couldn't go back to society until the priest said you were clean. And so he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. So they weren't cleansed immediately standing in the presence of Jesus. It was as they were obeying Jesus, that they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his feet at Jesus, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, sometimes when we preach on this passage, or we think about this passage, we think that the nine who were healed, and there were 10 healed, one returned. But we think the nine didn't have any thanksgiving. But I don't think so. I think that they had some thanksgiving. I mean, how could they not? I mean, just think about it. I could suddenly go, I'm thankful I can go home to be with my family. I'm thankful that I no longer have to separate myself. I'm thankful that I can do this and that, and now I can have relationships with people. I'm thankful. But what they didn't have is they didn't show gratitude back to the one who made that possible. And in life, we're thankful for a lot of things. This man came back after Jesus did this for him. He came back praising God with a loud voice, expressing praise. He fell on his face before Jesus And the Bible says, giving him thanks. In the scriptures, sometimes, we find that uh, words, sometimes they lose something in translation. For instance, the word love. We find it all through the New Testament that we should love. But often, it's not exactly, and we interpret it what it means, but... In the Greek, there are several different words that are translated into that one word, love. And, for instance, eros means lust, that kind of love. Thergio is parental love. And then there's agape love, and there's phileo love, which is brotherly love, but we translated it love. And the same is true with other words. Sometimes things lose a little bit in translation. One of the words that is sometimes translated in with, to the word thanks is charis, which we find it's a lot used. It's 157 times just in the New Testament, but most of the time it's not thanks. It means favor. It means grace. It, it means kindness. But sometimes it's translated thanks by the translators in the Scripture. But the word that is used in the passage that we just read is Eucharistio, which is 53 times, and actually that's just a, that includes the cognate with it, which means the other word that is translated with it. 53 times. It's the word Eucharistio is the same word that we identify, and Chris preached on this a couple weeks ago, about the Lord's Supper. It's called the Eucharist. And in it, we are to return thanks to God. And so when he talked about the fact that when we come forward, it's not a time to be joking and laughing or bumping the person in front of you or greeting one another. It's a time to reflect with meaning on what we are remembering as Jesus told us to remember it. It's that same word. And there's a difference between thanks and gratitude. And that's what I want to share with you this morning because it's very important that we realize there is a difference. The gratitude includes thanks, thanks might not include gratitude. And I'm going to illustrate that and tell you that this morning. When we look at that word, Eucharistio, it really demonstrates that because we find charis in the middle of Eucharistio. And so it encompasses this idea of thanks, but it means much more as well. Thank you is often just a momentary reaction to something. For instance, when somebody opens a door, we say, oh, thank you. Somebody shows us a seat, we say, thank you. Somebody does something for us, we say thank you and we just move on. It's just a momentary response to to what has happened for us. And so it it just takes a moment. When I was um, recently on Halloween, I was at my daughter Rochelle's house and uh, my job was I was handing out the candy there. We had a lot of kids come to her house that night. And it was kind of interesting because the uh, little kids would come up and their parents might stand off a little ways, but I'm talking about the real little ones. And they'd come up and they would come up with their bag or their little bucket or some didn't even have it. they just put out their hands like this. And I asked a couple of them, I said, where's your bag? And mommy has it, or daddy has it. And they were standing real close to them. But just about every one of those little kids would say when I would put their two pieces of candy in there or whatever they would say thank you or you would hear the parents say what do you say and they would say thank you and they were off to the next house you know it was equally interesting that when the junior hires came up the middle schoolers that when they came to the door with their bags or their buckets I would put their candy in and a few said thank you a lot of them walked away And one even said, let's go to some place where we get something good. You know? Now, there's gratitude for you right there, you know, for what he received. But we try to teach our children to say thank you, but it isn't gratitude. It's just a response that they make to be polite to other people, right? I read about a mother who said to her, tried to raise her kids that way and always taught them to say thank you. And as they got older, she taught them to write thank you notes. But then one day she realized they weren't thankful at all. They considered it a a deed that they had to do, write thank you notes. There was no thanksgiving in it. They were just pleasing their mom in doing it. So do we give God the thanks he deserves do we show God gratitude which is what he desires is our gratitude or is it a momentary thank you I want to ask you something how many of you pray would you raise your hands that I pray I'm glad to see most of you pray might be a little embarrassing to sit in here and say I don't pray But how many of you remember when God answers your prayer and you return gratitude to him? Don't raise your hand. Or do we just accept it, it happened, and we go on quickly in life and we forget about it? Now, I'm going to tell you that I've sat in a lot of meetings over the years and said to people, small group meetings, what are you thankful for? People sat there. They struggle with it because they're having trouble remembering what it was or where God has affected them or brought change in their life. And finally, one or two will say a few things, but the majority don't really respond to it. You see, that's because we are only giving God thanks, not showing our gratitude to God. When it comes to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are often told to give thanks. But the word in the scripture is to show him gratitude. In the Greek, gratitude comes from the heart. It has feeling and memory. We remember. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what he has done for us. So there are two important truths this morning, just two simple truths that I want you to remember, that I think it would be good for us to remember as we look at this passage of Scripture. The first one is this, expressing gratitude pleases God. Because no doubt, you read this story in here, who was Jesus pleased with? He was pleased with the one who came back and showed him eucalysteal. Gratitude, he showed him. It was pleasing to him. It came from the man's heart. It was expressed. And I'll tell you what, I bet he never forgot it. Because he remembered the day he fell before Jesus' feet, but also every time he looked at his skin, he probably remembered when it didn't look the way it did and that he was touched by Jesus. He couldn't forget it. It was in his memory. There's a French proverb that says, gratitude is the heart's memory. When I have gratitude, whether it's towards people or towards God, I remember it, the things that were done. We give thanks to a lot of people, but do we give, show our gratitude, and the same towards God? I read an article in uh, in psychiatric medical care, which consults with a number of hospitals, and uh, they said this: they said, thankfulness fades, gratitude remains. Gratitude often begins as thankfulness, but the difference happens when you keep your focus on everything that remains as thankfulness fades. Gratitude will stay with you, it stays in your heart. They said, number two, they said gratitude deepens our inner connections. Thankfulness is external. We feel thankful when something happens externally. When we practice gratitude, we rely on our inner voice to stay positive and remain appreciative in all circumstances. And the third thing they said is that thankfulness is about the present interaction. Gratitude improves the long-term relationship. We may feel thankful to someone at that moment, but gratitude is an ongoing showing of appreciation in your relationship. Practicing gratitude in your relationships will bring you closer to the one you love. And I'll tell you what, I want to be closer to God. And one of the ways is by practicing gratitude for the things that God has done. In the Elephant series, when it began, my memory, which sometimes isn't so good anymore, but my memory, we started with a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 10, Chris shared with us. And it said this, it was when the lawyer, Jesus asked the lawyer, what was the great commandment? And he said, he responded to Jesus. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered rightly. And then he went on and told the story of the Good Samaritan, which was, the whole series was about how we treat other people, really, when you boil it down. And Are we treating them in a biblical manner in the way that God wants us to treat them? In other words, Love your neighbor as yourself. But the first part of what he quoted is really about our relationship with God. Because he said there, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, with all of your mind. You know what that is? That's gratitude. I am pouring myself out. I appreciate everything God has done for me. What can we do for a God who has given us everything? I appreciated Elsie's little minuet sermon there, you know, that she gave us this morning as we were worshiping God. But what can we do for a God who has everything? This week I read this psalm. said this, Psalm 50. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are there continually before me. I will not accept the bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hill. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the fields is mine. If I were hungry... I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? And then he said to this, this is what God wants. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is what God wants, our gratitude. And perform your vows to the Most High, our obedience. Gratitude and obedience. And call upon me in the name of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. And the interesting thing is that that word for thanksgiving that we are to give to God is the Hebrew word, which the Old Testament is in this point, todau, which is the Old Testament equivalent of Eucharistio. It's the same, that we are to give God this response to him. To give him this. On Tuesday mornings, I meet with a group of men called Iron Men. There's 10 to 15 of us usually that come over to the free range over here. And so I just try to challenge them with different things at times. And a couple weeks ago, I thought, well, I'm going to start giving them a scripture verse every week. Right, Dick? And uh, give them a, a scripture verse every week and uh, tell them to try to memorize it, or just once a day, just say the Scripture verse and think about what the Scripture verse says. And I realized that maybe that was an overload for most of us as we are elderly guys. And uh, so I decided that we, I would do one Scripture verse a month. And the Scripture verse that I gave them this month is one of my favorites this time of year to recall and to think about. And it's found in Psalms 103, verses 1 through 2. And so every day before, uh, when we meet, before the lesson comes, we say out loud this scripture. And here's what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And we say that out loud. Don't forget what God has done. But if you read further in that psalm, right after that, it says this. Who forgives all your iniquity. I don't know about you, but if somebody were to ask me if I was, had gratitude toward God for that one, I'd be raising my hand. That God forgives my sin. Who heals all your diseases. I'm thankful that I can bring those things to God, and someday, this body that's so diseased, I'm going to have a new one that never has disease. He says, who redeems your life from the pit. I'm so glad that God changed my pathway and I no longer am going to the pit. I stand on the rock, and that is Jesus Christ, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Oh, what would we do without God's love and his mercy? Who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And when I'm in God's presence, you know what he does? I always feel young. Maybe because God, so old. Yeah, I just thought that. That just came to my mind, you know. Maybe that's because I've only lived 73 years. How old is God, you know? But he makes me feel young at heart, and I, I just for, I don't feel the same. It's just a wonderful thing to be in his presence. But that psalm starts out, and it says, bless the Lord. Well, how do you bless God? I mean, we just read Psalm 50 with thanksgiving. And that word to bless there means to praise him with affection and gratitude. You see, we can come into a worship service like this and we can praise God, but is it with gratitude? Or is it more like I'm just giving thanks in the moment to God to come from the heart when I give worship the Lord? And it said, all that is within me. Well, that's just like the great commandment all that is within me with my whole intellect emotion feeling sentiment brain heart lungs all that's what god wants gratitude back from us when we bless god it's more than saying thank you god having it come from here having it come and it's with done with that love and affection now, God is not a prideful God. He doesn't demand praise and thanksgiving from his children. He's not insecure. He's not needy. But what he, why he wants our thanksgiving is simply because when it's from the heart, it is our heart connecting with his. That's what God wants is that communion with us we appreciate so the first thing point i wanted you to remember from this passage is that god wants our praise he 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 likes our praise he notices when we give him show him gratitude but the the second thing we need to notice in this passage is god notices when we forget to express gratitude because Jesus noticed that nine did not return. He noticed it. And he even made comment about it. He notices when we give him gratitude, but he notices when we don't. He expected them to return, but they did not. I read in the Lexham Bible Dictionary this statement. It really struck me. It said this, Thanklessness is regarded as a rejection of God, which leads to further sin and eventual judgment. And they put in parentheses what's on the screen there, Romans 1, 21. In Romans, the first chapter, Paul really talks about how man falls away from God and goes after his own ways and his own things. And I just want to read to you a few verses from Romans 1, 21. Put this verse into context. It says this in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you notice the hinge verse in there? What did they stop doing? It says it right there in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him gratitude. How important is gratitude? How important it is that we offer it to God? Could that be part of the problem in the church today? We don't spend enough time connecting with God, just thanking Him with gratitude in our hearts for what He has done for us. There's a legend about two angels who were sent out and they were sent out to collect in a basket the prayers of petition. One of them was supposed to, connect, to uh, collect the prayers of petition. The other, the prayers of gratitude. The first one went out, and he came back, and this basket was full. People praying, asking God for things. The second one came back, and his basket had few in it. And it's because there was few prayers of gratitude back to God. May we be a people that are filling up the second basket. If you had to really answer in your life, you how much how many times do you ask God for things, and how often do you show gratitude for what He has blessed us with in life? We need to realize Every day is a blessing that he allows you to live on this earth. Every day, if you know him as Savior and Lord, it's the eternal blessing of salvation. Like the leper, we need to come back to Jesus and thank him that he heals us from our disease of sin through his stripes. We don't want to be like the nine. The one who was blessed was the one who returned. God does for us and may our perspective be one when we think about Thanksgiving be one of gratitude back towards it as I was preparing for this message over the last several weeks thinking about it reading and things one of the things that was suggested That I read about is to increase gratitude in our hearts, is to journal about what God has done for us. To write it down, what He has done for us. Not just simple statements like, oh, I thank God for this. No, what does that this mean to you in your heart? What does it mean to you? And so I got a journal and I. Got about nine or ten pages in it now. Every day I've been journaling in it, thinking about it. And the first thing, and I sat there, and I realized the most important thing that I could thank God for was my salvation. And I started thinking about where I was a, as a 24 year old with a college education and a good job, but so without. Christ, and God, my life. And I started to think about the man who told me about I could start over. John 3, 3 said, Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I started thinking about that and what that meant and how that changed my life. And he told me, he said, all the past can be forgiven and erased. If you will be born into the kingdom of God. And I really, he prayed a prayer with me and I wanted that desperately in my life. And how it changed my life. How God has blessed me because of that invitation that he gave me. And I received it and gave my life to Christ. And I fill up a whole page, just different things that have happened because of it. Thank God for salvation. When I want to ask you something. Can you write a page like that? Have you ever sat down and thought about that? You write it out. The next page is about forgiveness. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, it says in Psalms 1. Write about what that means. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. It's with a gratitude in my heart that I stand here today, knowing it's I wouldn't stand here, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for your forgiveness, the salvation that you offer. i it changed my life. It's so, oh Lord. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that convicted me on that day and throughout my life. And I pray for every person here that, Lord, we would not be a thankless followers of Christ with no gratitude. But, Lord, that we be full of gratitude every day for our relationship with you. And as we pray, God, I wonder if there are people here who have never in that point to a time when they were born again, they've never surrendered their life to you. Or they come to church and they do all the kinds of other things, but they've never received your great gift of salvation. And so, Lord, I pray for them today that they wouldn't leave this place without knowing their life can be made new. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5:17, the old has passed the new come. May they know that this morning and receive you as Savior and Lord. If that's you this morning, you can do that by praying this simple prayer and deciding you're going to walk in a new way. You can say, dear God, I've been going my own way. I've been doing what I think is right. But today I want to be born again. I want everything forgiven. And I want to receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I open my life to you. I open my future to you render. Father, to those who have done that, may we appreciate you more and more in the many, many things a good Father does for us. In Jesus' name. You receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. The Bible tells us that we need to confess that needs to be professed. When I did, I was at a Pinecrest Bible Training Institute in New York. And uh, I went to see a man cuz my life was a mess. And that night, about midnight, just he and I sitting in their chapel, I received Christ. The very very next day, they had their chapel service. And all these Bible students And they said, if you've received Christ, you need to come forward. I stood up, down, and I knelt at that altar. And I had people all around me laying hands on me, praying for me. My life was forever changed. See, pride keeps us from Christ. And coming to an altar is a matter of humility, mission to him. And so if you've prayed to receive Christ and you've never said anything about it, if you prayed this morning, the most important thing you can do, come forward, let it be known. So I just want to pause for a moment. Does anybody here today do what I did? Come forward. You receive Christ. You want to identify with Him this morning anyone the spirit speaking to you father i give you thanks this day in jesus name amen